We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, hello. It's Josh Bo. Uh, it's Pod Maverick after afternoon. <laughs> uh, it's not after dark, as you can tell in my room, which is not well suited for uh, daytime video recordings. So if you're watching, uh, I apologize. I do not have a blackout curtain uh, over this light. Um, so apologies. But hey, it's me. Uh, no Kirk, because Kirk is working. I know it's MLK Day. And a lot of people have the time off around the country. Um, Kirk, unfortunately, uh, did not have a company holiday and has to work today. So he he's dealing with his full-time real job because, uh, again, like we like to emphasize, this is not our full-time real job. So it's just me today. Um, so I know you guys were probably – I know these last two games have basically been yin and yang, and you'd like to see the full range of Kirk. But uh, maybe we will, we will get that later in the week. As things calm down a little bit uh, and we get back to normal schedules with our, our real day work lives. But hey, it's me. I'm one of the editors of Mavs Moneyball. Mavericks beat the Pelicans 125, 120 in a bounce back effort in one of the wildest games the Mavericks have played this season. I don't know where to start. Well, I do know where to start. <laughs> um, the Mavericks made 18 three pointers and the Pelicans made seven. Um, that's it. That's our show. I'll talk to you guys later, uh, and, and we'll we'll talk to you after the next game. Um, I mean, really, I could do that. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's way more stuff to talk about. But at the end of the day, um, this was a variance win for the Mavericks. This was a math win. Um, the Pelicans were doing whatever they wanted at the rim and in the paint, uh, and it did not matter uh, because the Mavericks had two of the most Herculean legendary shot making performances I've seen in a Mavericks uniform with a combination of Kyrie and Tim Hardaway Jr. 
Uh, Kyrie Irving had uh, 42 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 41. I want to say that's the most points Tim Hardaway Jr. has ever had in a Mavericks uniform, but I can't look that up right now. Um, the two combined to make uh, 12 three-pointers. Um, they shot 24, so they shot 12 of 24 from three. All of them basically, I mean, they were everything was jumper. I mean, the Mavericks shot chart and the uh, Pelican shot chart is absolutely hilarious. The Pelicans were... 26 of 32 at the rim. That's 81%. League average, 66. They scored 60 points in the paint. And they made 31 free throws. And they lost by five. Um, if that's not an argument for or for the make or miss uh, nature that the modern NBA is, I don't know what to tell you. The Pelicans made seven three-pointers. The Mavericks made 18 um the Mavericks basically Mavericks scored 34 points in the paint they only attempted 18 shots at the rim made 12 um and what's hilarious is the Mavericks didn't shoot a bunch of corner threes they, they shot 10 which is a decent amount they only made two they were two of 10 from a corner threes the Mavericks were 16 of 33 on above the break three pointers which again basically all Kyrie and basically all Tim Hardaway Jr although Grant Williams hit a clutch one in the fourth quarter as did Josh Green so I don't know. I don't know how much you can take away from this game other than Kyrie Irving is in the middle of one of the best stretches of his life, I feel like. You need to take a look at his January game log. It is absolutely outrageous. Entering this game, entering this game, in the month of January, he was scoring 30 points per game, 7.5 assists, 5.5 rebounds, on 50% from the floor, 49 uh from three and 88 from the free throw line. So obviously those are going to bump up a little bit. Actually, the percentages are going to go down. Um, he shot 46% today at 33% from three, but I mean, good Lord. I mean, he had to, he got, thir- got to the free throw line a bunch, 13 to 15. Everyone got to the free throw line a bunch. Um, there were almost 60 combined fouls in this game, which really made it really, 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 really difficult to watch. Um, so that was unfortunate. Um, but otherwise, you know, I mean, the Mavericks made shots and the Pelicans didn't. Uh, it was all jumpers. Um, it was pretty outrageous. Uh, and again, you know, Kyrie, the thing that was outrageous was with Kyrie and Hardaway. I mean, these guys were basically making contested jumpers. Like the this wasn't necessarily drive and kick, get open looks, although Mavericks certainly had their fair share of, of those three-pointers. I mean, so many of these were just self-created running off screens with a hand in your face and drilling them. And that's the kind of advantage having two shot makers like Kyrie and Tim Hardaway Jr. affords you where you can play some of your worst defense. You can get bullied in the paint uh, and you can win by two possessions because you make more three pointers than your opponent. It was pretty crazy. Um, Not to say that there weren't other contributions. Of course, Derek Lively back in the lineup for the first time in about four or five games was massive. Um, he did not really do anything in the rim scoring wise, uh, but he had 12 rebounds. He had seven offensive rebounds. Basically Mavericks don't win this game. If he doesn't grab the offensive rebounds, he did in the fourth quarter, which led to three pointers. Um, so he was absolutely huge. He, you know, the difference between Jonas Valanciunas's game on Saturday with no Derek lively and today with Derek lively. I mean, it was the night and day difference. Uh, Valanciunas had six and six, 6.6 rebounds. It was the non-factor in the game. In fact, the stretch that he played in the fourth quarter was the stretch that the Mavericks came back. He was a minus 22. uh, And really, that's how the Mavericks engineered their comeback. So that was really impressive. 
I thought the Pelicans kind of slept walk to start this game. Um, and the Mavericks really made him pay. I thought defensively there was actually a pretty good edge in the in the first quarter where the Mavericks did the thing where Josh Green was picking up CJ McCollum full court like he did against uh, Jalen Brunson and the New York Knicks and that went a couple days ago. For whatever reason, they didn't do that on Saturday with all the Pelican starters out, which you would think you would want to do more, force backups to make more decisions with the ball in their hands. And they didn't. They played on their heels, and the Pelicans made them pay. This was a completely different uh, disposition from the team. Uh, and the Pelicans, you know, those guys that were resting in that first quarter, they totally thought that they were going to come in and just cakewalk over this team. Uh, I mean, I know that's not hardcore analysis and that's not X's and O's, but you could see in the body language that they were not ready for this to be a challenging game and credit to the Mavericks for for making it a challenge. They get up 33-17 to 17 in the first quarter. They settled in and the Pelicans scored 42 in the second and 30 in the fourth because the Mavericks defense right now is just not there. There was no Derek Jones Jr. Um, Maxi Kleba played 19 minutes. I thought he did okay. He had his moments. He had two blocks. First time he's had uh, more than one block in a game since uh, March of last year, which I guess isn't too surprising when you consider he basically hasn't played all season. Um, but he had his moments. I only played 19 minutes. And again, uh, Derek Lively was great uh, when he could be on the floor. He had foul trouble. But again, his offensive rebounds were huge. Kyrie, I think, stepped up his defense in the fourth quarter. Um, he played McCollum pretty tight after really, I mean, considering his offensive workload, he, him and Hardaway had no, <laughs> they had no interest in playing defense for most of this game, but they stepped it up in the fourth when it mattered. At least Kyrie did. I thought he stuck close to CJ McCollum pretty well. Got his hand in the cookie jar a little bit, poked the ball away. Didn't get a ton of steals. I think he only had – yeah, he had no steals, despite the fact that he's had, I think, two or more steals. He's had at least one steal in the last six games. Five of those games he's had at least two steals. He had four in the Memphis loss, three in the Knicks win, uh, and two in the New Orleans loss the other night. So um, defensively, he's been making plays, even if you know the off-ball stuff isn't always there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, schematically, it's hard, it's hard to say what the Mavericks did is sustainable, uh, other than, you know, Kyrie is, this is Kyrie and, you know, Hardaway making a bunch of jumpers is not crazy either. He's been in a little bit of a slump, but like, those are what those two guys do. They got just enough from Lively with the seven offensive rebounds, just enough from Josh Green, who made a good three, a clutch three, uh, in the final five minutes, had a couple of decent drives. Although he fouled a bunch. I mean, there's no point in making talking about fouls because everyone fouled a bunch. So, you know, kid was trying to find a defensive lineup that worked and nothing really worked. Um, and the Mavericks got a win that they really should have. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't I don't know what else uh to say because this is such a crazy, you know, shot making variance game. So this is probably going to be a short podcast, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the commercial break right now. Those of you uh, watching live, uh, you know, it's just going to be a quick pause on YouTube. If you're doing that, please like and subscribe to the YouTube stream and our YouTube channel. Those of you on the audio only feed, we are creeping closer to fixing our Apple podcasts issue. Um, so, you know, stay subscribed to us. Keep listening to our audio only feed if you can. And we really appreciate it. And we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about some late game coaching decision making uh, that I thought was really key for the Mavericks to win the game and wrap up any odds and loose ends. Uh, you're listening to Pod Maverick After Dark. We'll be right back. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we're back. Mavericks beat the Pelicans 125-120. Talked about the ridiculous shot making from Kyrie and Tim Hardaway Jr. in the first half of the podcast and really how that was the game. That and Lively's offensive rebounding. I mean, those were basically the two things that got the Mavericks to win because they couldn't play defense on the other end of the floor. And thankfully, the Pelicans missed so many jumpers. Um, you know, the Pelicans were 7 of 23 from 3, and I don't want to say all of, you know, not a ton of those were contested. So the Mavericks might have gotten a little lucky, but it's better to be lucky than good. What wasn't lucky, though, was what Jason Kidd did at the end of the game. So the Pelicans have the ball with... 17 seconds left. Mavericks are up two. Pelicans have basically been getting an automatic two points every night. So you worry that, you know, this is going to be a tie game or at worst, you know, if the Mavericks collapse because they're so cognizant of what New Orleans is doing at the rim, maybe they give up an open three at the buzzer and you lose a heartbreaking game. So interestingly enough, Jason Kidd had did hack a Zion. Uh, Zion Williamson, who's a 66% free throw shooter, not automatic by any means. Believe he was shooting. He was shooting five of, I think he was five of nine. Yeah, he was five of nine um, at the time. So he'd already missed four free throws. And Kid, uh, Kid and Tad. Maxi Kleba intentionally found Pelicans inbound the ball. They give it to Zion, who at the top of the key, who is either going to be a fulcrum for a dribble handoff for CJ McCollum or Brandon Ingram, or he's going to drive himself because he was basically just taking the ball one on one and scoring whenever he wanted to. He had 30 points, 12 of 17 from the floor. And Mavericks fouled him with 14 seconds left. And at first I was like, did they forget that they were in the bone that the Pelicans were in the bonus? Because they might have just sent, you know, the, the tying two free throws to the line. Um but when you think about it, you know, Zion isn't a great free throw shooter. He missed one, so it worked out. But even the if you think about it, it's not just a, well, of course you're saying it worked because he only because he missed the free throw. But if you would have made both of them, you would have been calling Kid an idiot. And I don't think so because someone pointed this out on Twitter. I need to I need to see who this was. Michael Clemenson on Twitter. Appreciate you responding to this and, and pointing out the logic. He said a poor free throw shooter to the line, first off. Zion's under anyone who's under 70% for the season, I think, is a poor free throw shooter who's destroying you in the paint. So basically, what you're doing is you're taking control of the game. 
and you're not letting the Pelicans dictate the end of the game. Because the Pelicans could have ended the game and shot a three-pointer at the end, and, and if the Mavericks can't do a lot about that besides contest, Pelicans make the three-point shot, you lose. So what the Mavericks did is said, no, we're going to end the game on our terms. So worst-case scenario, if Zion makes both those free throws, the Mavericks have the ball in a tie game with 14 seconds left with the ability for themselves to take the final shot, and you're not going to lose the game. There wasn't a fouling Zion, uh, the odds of you losing the game, maybe the odds of going into overtime increase, but the odds of the Mavericks losing the game by fouling Zion did not go up. Maybe there, maybe you get unlucky with an offensive rebound on the second free throw, but Zion missed the first, made the second, so it worked out there. But yeah, again, Zion makes two free throws. You still have the ball. The Mavericks have the two best shot makers going with Kyrie and Hardaway. Like You take your chances with Kyrie with the ball with 14 seconds left in the tie game. Like that's really good odds. So, you know, why risk giving up an open three-pointer? Why risk letting a team that's demolished you at the paint tie the game up in the paint, maybe get fouled? Zion had a lot of N1s tonight. Didn't always convert on him, again, because he only was 6 of 11 from the free throw line. But, uh, you know, why, you know, why risk giving up an N1 late? Why risk letting the Pelicans dribble the clock out and take the final shot? I thought it was really smart. So good on kudos on kid or whoever it was on his coaching staff that came up with that idea. I thought, I mean, that was game when Zion missed the free throw, the Pelicans didn't have any timeouts, so they couldn't really extend the game that much because they basically had one more chance to go full court, get a bucket. And, and that was it. Brandon Inger missed a three pointer at the buzzer for the most part and with like a second or two left, but, with the Pelicans not having timeouts, the Pelicans could not draw this game out and play the foul game because it's just impossible to go full court, full court with that much time left and make buckets. You know, they couldn't inbound the ball from half court. So, you know, I think it was intentional. I mean, you know, the way Kleba fouled him, that's why I thought they messed up because Kleba kind of looked back at the bench like, wait, we're in the boat. Like, he shouldn't even free throws. Like, there was definitely a moment where I was like, wait, are the Mavericks on the same page? But. If, it, if they weren't, if this wasn't a tactical decision and Kleba just fouled him because he thought the Mavericks had a foul to give, well, again, it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, and the Mavericks get a pretty solid win. Tie the season series with the Pelicans, which helps for tiebreaker purposes uh, later on the season. The teams are now both 24 and 17. Um, and funny enough, the Mavericks go 5-2 and two on a seven-game homestand, so they basically do what they're supposed to. And, of course, the two losses are the two games that they should have won handedly and the you know their last five games of this homestand they get three wins against full strength wolves knicks and pelicans who are all very great good teams and their two losses are memphis without Ja morant and jaron jackson and then the pelicans missing you know three starters so i thought it was pretty funny how it worked out um but the mavericks you know at the end of the day the mavericks kind of took care of business what they were supposed to do five and two on the homestand They've got a hellacious schedule coming up. I don't know if they're going to be lucky enough to keep getting through the next few games if Luca and Dante Exum uh, don't play. But you know, we'll see. With Kyrie, I mean, if Kyrie wants to keep making these shots, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what other teams can do. I mean, because the Pelicans, it's not like these guys. Like I said, these were not easy shots. Um, so kudos. To the effort of, of those two guys being able to make those shots. I thought it was very, very impressive. Um, I'm not going to lie. The way this season is going and the way that the way that the Mavericks have survived all of these injuries, 
I mean, when you consider the totality of the injuries and the way that they've been staggered, where guys come back, other guys get hurt, other guys get healthy, other guys, you know, Jones, you know, Maxi comes back, Jones misses this game. It's been really tough. And the Mavericks are still 24 and 17. They're right in the thick uh, of getting out of the play in. Um, they're still within earshot of home court advantage in the first round. They're two games back of the Clippers for fourth. You know, but they're only, you know, they're basically tied for the six, six and seven spots. You know, the Suns and the Jazz are, are kind of lurking. They're both played well in their last 10 games. So we'll see. And part of me is wondering with the Mavericks surviving, they're six and four in their last 10, despite Luca missing multiple games and everyone else missing multiple games. Does this, I'm curious what the front office thinks. Like, it feels like a special season for for Kyrie, especially. Like, do you push the chips in? Do you do you get more aggressive to go after a Pascal Siakam because you look and you say, "Oh my God! Like, look how well we're surviving with all these injuries." Like, can you imagine if we get healthy? And then it's, can you imagine if we get healthy and we add, you know, the 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 missing piece, quote unquote, to the front court in a Siakam or any other kind of trade the Mavericks can make. I wonder if the Mavericks, you know, are they more motivated to make a trade because they feel like this is a potentially special season with the way Kyrie Irving's playing and his age. And you wonder, you know, you got to make good on Kyrie while he's here and as productive as he is. Or do they think, you know, we don't need to make a trade because we're surviving as is. And when we get Exxon back, when we get uh, Luca back, and when we get our top six or seven guys are all healthy in one game, maybe they think, why should we – why should we bust this team up? Because we're playing pretty well as is. I don't know which way they're going to lean. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's people in the front office that think, man, we need to make, like, if we can make a move, this could we could make a run here. Um, because it's really impressive that the way the Mavericks have kind of held in the fight right now. Um, obviously, the next few games, we will see. Maybe that puts a, a damper on those thoughts. The Mavericks go on the road to play the Lakers and the Warriors, which – both those teams are scuffling, so not necessarily the hardest games in the world. But then they play Boston, they play Phoenix, they play Sacramento, Orlando, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, the Knicks again, the Thunder again. Those are all within the next month. Um, that's a lot of difficult games. A lot of those are on the road as well. So we're going to know by the end of February, I think, what this Mavericks team is made of. Hopefully, if everyone can get healthy, because it's kind of hard to evaluate the team when when everyone's hurt so we'll see i've talked for about 20 minutes i don't really feel like talking anymore because i had to talk again last night and i feel like i used up all my fan energy uh, to talk about that that crappy game but everyone should be really happy about this one this was a really fun game kudos to the fans that made it to the arena uh with the the dfw winter freeze that's going on and all the snow falling and the cold temperatures uh, we really appreciate you know i'm sure the maps really appreciate the crowd that was there because i was worried it was going to be a little dead and the energy in the building wouldn't be there but it was it got surprisingly loud there uh for for the second half so you know also afternoon game makes it weird i think we saw um the you know the first quarter was definitely these teams were out of sorts so good for the mavericks to find a way uh, again all the kudos to Kyrie irving and tomorrow jr playing basically two of the best games of of their of their seasons and together just remarkable shot making. I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know if you can look at it and say, let's do that again in the next game, but they'll take it. You take everyone you can get while the team's this injured. So I'm Josh Bowe for Pod Maverick After Dark. Go to our site, massmoneyball.com, to look at recaps, post game reactions, all that good stuff. Hopefully, me and Kirk will be back for the next game against the Los Angeles Lakers. 
who play on Wednesday, January 17th. That'll be an ABC nationally televised game. So hopefully Luca is back so we can get Luca versus LeBron because that's always a fun one. So again, I'm Josh Bo for Pod Maverick. You guys take care. If you're in the DFW area, please stay warm and stay safe. And we'll talk to you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.